Welcome to the Business Addicts Podcast, where the stakes are high, talk is cheap, and results are on the other side of commitment. Hosted by a former addict, myself, and I'm his wife, Jamie. We uncover addicts' mindsets, showing that the talents you've created in your struggle will be the superpowers you leverage to heal your deepest wounds. Listen to former addicts share stories of how they've flipped the switch, including insights into how much we can believe in ourselves. For those of you affected by addiction, we support your desire to help the addict in your life by raising the stakes and creating emotional barriers. Hello, and welcome back to the Business Addicts Podcast. Today, we have a couple special guests. We have Jamie back helping me co-host this one, and then we have Shannon Johnson, who has joined us today and has a story about trauma, a little bit of, well, we're going to talk about the addict side of it, and uh, we'll see we'll see where we get on that. Maybe we want to start there. You know, there's there's a lot of people that we've talked to that are like, oh, I think I would have been an addict, but, you know, there was one thing in the way of me becoming addicted. Where do you put yourself, Shannon, and what do you think about addiction, and what's your general thoughts? For myself, I absolutely would have been an addict. To me, an addict, like, I think you can be, you know, addicted to so many things and whether it's food or alcohol or even emotion. And I'm saying those three things because that's been my experience. I think a lot of times in like when the terminology is used, we don't typically think of ourselves as addict. You know, like I can easily say, well, I was addicted to, but whenever it crosses over, I think, well, I never crossed over into, you know, alcoholism as far I mean like being an alcoholic but I easily would have gone there had my path kept going and really honestly had God not just totally stopped me yeah and just really shook me up with an experience would you say that you're expressing a thankfulness that it didn't go there oh yes yeah I, I mean for me I have to acknowledge that it did you know um, but also I could see how how you you could be affected, have that mindset to a certain extent, but also be thankful for the ways that it didn't go as far as it could have. Right. Well, and Kevin, let's, let's go back to that a little bit because in our first episode, and you know, I kind of interview you and then you interview me when you and I first met, technically you were an addict, but we didn't know that we thought it was something that would just stop Mm -hmm. eventually, or that, you know, you would get over it. And so it wasn't until years and years of like, this isn't stopping. I am not able to stop. And, and years right? Of Mm -hmm. this just keeps coming up that we're like, okay, there's something else here. This is actually an addiction. Yeah. There's, yeah. We didn't call it that for a long time. Correct. Maybe as as much as 10 years. I would say possibly even closer to 15 or 20. Like I just, I think we just thought it was something that you would be able to stop. Mm -hmm. And so then every time that you couldn't or didn't, or every time it kept coming up again, it was like, yeah why is this coming up again? And we got trapped into the emotion of all of it and just sort of the, and we didn't really name it. So I I think that's important, important distinction. So you're saying in the situations that you were going to tell us about in a little bit, Shannon, that you were able to stop. What I'm hearing from you is like, you want to portray something in reality that you were able to stop, even though there was a mindset that you felt like, well, I could choose that. I could go down that road, but God helping you, you're like, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to choose that road. Right. And especially whenever you think about like with the alcohol, when you think about the food, 
I took a more drastic approach <laughs> to stop. So it depends on which, which area you're talking about. Let's start then at the traditional question that I use. Tell us a little bit about who you are uh, and let's start at your childhood and, and go forward, please. Let me ask the question from this perspective. Would you say that there was any childhood trauma that could have led to things that ended up looking like addiction or almost like addiction? Totally, completely. And really, it's it took, you know, 50 years for me to get to the point mm -hmm. of understanding what was really behind my behaviors and the addictions yeah. that I struggled with. That is all come to light in my healing journey and transformation journey a um, combination that has been just this most incredible experience and process of going through that, you know, I'm just so utterly thankful for where I am now, you know, and even for those experiences, a lot of childhood trauma in so many different ways, emotional trauma and verbal abuse and sexual abuse and all that played into it at very young ages was born um, in a large city. We lived on a farm for a few years when I was three, four, and five. That's when some of the abuse happened. But uh, just a normal kid, you know, I mean, I was playing all the, you know, time, you know, I had an older sister and uh, parents and, you know, we went to church and these kind of things. Always did well in school, but I was so angry. Mm. And I, ne I never, never understood that. Actually, I consider anger an addiction. For me, it has been. Mm-hmm. And it has only been really the last year that I've been able to look back and heal enough from that to understand where I look back now because of my healing, that I understand that so much of my behavior was like trauma responses, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and where the addiction, the addiction to anger. And we, we moved around a little bit, but settled in Lubbock, Texas, West, West Texas, when I was about eight. It was when I was 15, the anger issues really came out. And there was a lot of anger directed towards my father. I didn't understand at the time why. Mm -hmm. So at this time, you had blocked the trauma still. I totally blocked the trauma. Yeah. I had, I had no memory. I didn't understand, you know, like the emotional and kind of verbal trauma the way my dad was, was just a way of life. Right. So I had grown mm -hmm. up with that. So I didn't understand really any different. But I had totally, totally blocked out the sexual abuse part of that. Mm -hmm. And I, I just didn't remember that. And I didn't remember that till a few years ago. But I just knew I just grew up as an angry kid. Wow. It's like I had two sides. And but I could, you know, easily get triggered, but never understood why. I could even tell you as a teenager that my response was way over the top when getting so mad. Mm -hmm. And I even I understood it at a level. But there was something behind it, but we didn't know what. This is huge. Yeah. This is huge, Shannon. I mean, there's so many parents that are dealing with teenagers that are angry or that have what we like to call, you know, behavior like a teenager. But what I found yeah. with our children is that when we're able to help them heal, they don't have that anger. And so it's almost like we don't have teenager like behavior when we're dealing with the trauma behind it. Oh, that's so true. But if parents aren't aware of that, then you're just like, why do we have this angry kid? And then the, the conversations are like, well, it's normal to have that teenager. You know, they're just being a teenager and they're just rebelling. And they're, you're like, right. what, what mm -hmm. if it's not actually normal? What actually, right. what if it's actually a sign that there was yeah. trauma that's unprocessed that they didn't even, they don't know how to express. Teenagers right. don't know how to yeah. express. Well, it's interesting you bring that up because that is, that is so true. I think that as we, Anybody, whether you're looking at a kid, but a kid probably especially, mm -hmm. if there is such an extreme response, right. it is so important. What is underneath that? Right. 
And I saw my first psychologist at age 15. Mm. I've had like 20 years of individual professional counseling. Wow. And you worked in the health industry. I mean, you've been very much around. When then did you actually find the trauma? Flashbacks started coming back three years ago of the sexual abuse. Wow. But the emotional and verbal abuse, I understood as I got older and moved out of the house, that that's what that was. And I, even while I was in the house, I understood to a certain level. But as I you know, got out of the house and around other families or people, I understood how different it was. My dad was a very, very strong personality, very intense person. Someone a few years ago that were like, oh, your dad was such a great man. And I said, well, he was one thing to his family and, yeah. you know, something different to everyone else. And so, you know, when I was 15, then I was so angry. It was just heading down a wrong path. That's when I started drinking. So and it was just, you know, it, all this, the addiction that I felt, it was a way to kind of numb myself mm-hmm. through, you know, because I trying to get rid of the extreme emotion I was having because mm. it was either like a depression or an anger. So it was just a way of, you know, not having to, to face that anger or to tone it down. And then as, as I got older, I faced another really significant trauma. That's what did totally trigger where I started drinking heavily. Mm. Now, when, when that incident happened, I was uh, a senior in high school. And so I started drinking where um, I would get a big old tall glass and pour half orange juice and had alcohol in my hall, my car. I think it was just this, just some of the cheap stuff and pour the other half in that and drink it on the way to school. And, Mm. um, you know, I mean, I just, I did that for months, just trying to numb the pain of what that had added to, to everything else that I didn't understand was there. And so then went down that path. That was about a good year and a half. You know, at that time, there was no, during that time, there was no desire to want to have anything to do with God at all. You know, my, I grew up in a a home that, you know, went to church and all that, but I wanted nothing to do with it. God, he, he didn't give up on me. At the end of my first year of college, kind of going into my second year, I was with some of the friends that I worked with and uh, we were, we were partying and I was drinking and all of a sudden just kind of a couple of thoughts came, but they were straight from God. And it was just like, if you don't quit, you're going to really have a problem with this. I had to have turned just wide as a ghost because my, my coworker, my friend, she looked at me and Missy was like, Shannon, are you okay? You're wide as a ghost. I was like, Oh, you know, I think I'm going to sober up and go home. Really. I didn't, I tried another drink, maybe a couple of months later, but it was just, it wasn't the same. Hmm. And that was totally of God. And he totally saved me because I absolutely would have gone way down the route and been an alcoholic in a heartbeat very soon after that. Had he not, he really intervened in that. I realized that the miserable place that I was in my life started turned to God um, for you know, help and support. I started reading my Bible. I started praying and I helped. I still didn't understand, you know, the trauma and the addiction. Well, that kind of went away. Well, then I ended up turning a little bit towards food, but not a whole lot until a few years later. So I, uh, I was in the, the ministry for about seven years. When I left, I had turned a little bit towards food, but not much. I just, that's when I went into x-ray school, went to the, took the medical field route. Um, and then I went back in the ministry for another year. And that year there was 
a significant event that happened and, you know, a lot of trauma surrounding that. And so by about a year of that, I was just kind of threw my hands up and said, I'm done. My anxiety was a little out of control and but I was just really down and depressed and frustrated. So that's when I really turned to food. And I spent probably about five years was not concerned about my health. I got really big to the point where I was borderline, where they would do a gastric bypass. I actually ended up, did have surgery and uh, wish I wouldn't have, <laughs> don't advise that. But the food addiction, it, I, I mean, I would just sit there at night. I'd come home from work and go straight to food. Give me the, give me the chips, give me the candy, you know, and just as a way that I didn't have to cope with my day or any thoughts from thinking about family or, you know, specifically my father at that time. And so, um, and my father had passed away during that time that right before I had gastric bypass about probably nine months before, about five years after that, you know, I had kind of gotten a hold of everything and life was looking better. And so then I went back in the ministry for another four years during that time, things happened. And because of my health, I was unable to continue. I then went back to, uh, Texas. That's my health got so bad when I was in the ministry that last time that the anxiety got really bad. I had had major depression. I was diagnosed with major depression when I was 15. And, and then they attached another diagnosis to it, which we now understand really was not necessarily accurate because of the healing that has been able to take place. So I left the ministry about four and a half years ago. It was about three years ago that I really started having a lot of flashbacks hmm. to childhood. And that's when part of my life started making sense hmm. yeah. where I understood why I've been so angry all my life and why some of my behavior, the way it was where, you know, some people would say, Hey, oh, that's just Shannon. She's just kind of got angry or whatever. Some people never really saw that side, but if you pushed me to the max, you saw it. <laughs> so three years ago, I started having flashbacks of the sexual abuse by my dad at those very young ages, uh, three, four and five. And then, um, when I was four, uh, during that time, there also was um, a 14-year-old kid that lived with us for about three months. I started to have flashbacks of him sexually abusing me. So those were huge. When those started coming, I just, my anxiety got out of control. Uh, my, my nerves were not the best at that. And I was just started becoming a nervous wreck. So then I was no longer able to handle my job in the medical field. I had to totally quit working. My pressure in my chest from the anxiety was out of control. I was having all these flashbacks. I was just a nervous wreck. So I tried a, some energy techniques and I'd always tried different things through the years to, to help. But then I, I came across someone who became my practitioner in uh, the Theta Healing, which is now what I do. And it changed my life mm -hmm. on every level. My life started making sense. And we started peeling back the layers and realizing that underneath all this anger, you know, the trauma of, from all the abuse of different types and the different layers of that, all of that was causing all these other issues. And when we started actually healing, really God doing the healing, working through everything and processing it is when my life changed. Mm. I mean, at the yeah. time I started my healing and transformation journey, I was on four psychiatric medications. I was on a couple other medications just in general was a, a nervous wreck and hadn't worked for about seven months at that time. I had just started, started working, but was struggling. And I, I mean, my first session, it was just, wow, this is amazing. And because what, what we did is we realized that I had some 
beliefs of things that, you know, we pick up things when we're kids or what we're told or just in life. And, and um, so we had some, I had some beliefs that just needed to be shifted. And with the trauma, they had a healing, it can um, clear the traumas out because, you know, our cells have memory on every level. And so it was able to go take through every level and every way, clear out the traumas and change those beliefs. And in the course of doing that, it changed everything for me. Mm -hmm. emotionally and physically and spiritually, we were able to tie, you know, chronic migraine since age 11, which is all tied into all that childhood trauma with, with what we've been able to figure out where it's, whenever it all started, my migraines used to be on a scale of one to 10 an average 10 being the worst an average of a seven, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, it's just wow. a way of life. I lived like that for from age 11 to pretty much age 50. Wow. <laughs> and I, even the last two years before Theta Healing, I had Botox injections and those you have to get every three months and, you know, two and a half months into it, you're starting to scream with pain again, you know, and I haven't had Botox injections since June. I haven't needed to because that's part of what the beauty is in my healing journey and transformation is we've not only been able to clear these traumas and all that memory and the intensity, we've been able to change things significantly health-wise, physical level. You know, it's just kind of been a side effect, so to speak. You know, the migraines are down to an average of a one or two, and I don't have them quite all the time now. That's huge. Yeah. Gotten rid of three psychiatric medications. The one will go here in another month or so, and that's the last medication. Not that Theta Healing promotes that at all, that it can do that. That's my result. I wouldn't say that that could guarantee for anybody else all right let's let's i'm gonna unpack so that that was an awful lot thank you very much for sharing the entirety so what i heard was that there was in childhood there was significant abuse including emotional which i think um from other people we've talked to is maybe one of the hardest ones to unpack because sometimes we like if we understand that someone abused us sexually or something at least we easily know how wrong that is. But sometimes the emotional stuff we we don't fully process, we don't fully understand that it, that it was wrong, or we don't fully understand maybe that they weren't in a healthy place. Like we we always put our parents as like they're perfect and we're the we're the problem, especially when we're really young. So all that stuff, and then then there was the coping that came in the different stages and your working in the ministry, but then having to leave because of the different things that were happening along the way that, which resulted in more coping, more pain or, or, or other things. So can you give us like one belief that was there throughout that? And then when you started to experience theta healing, what came up and, and then you're like, Oh, I'll let that go. And, and I'm, I'm good now. Can you like bring us along for the ride on the, on like one belief like uh you mean like a specific belief that we've changed with theta healing or that so yeah anything related to coping or or addiction yes oftentimes you're obligated to do something where on some level you feel like you don't have a choice so uh, we've changed a lot about just the obligation to be angry or we've had to change a lot about even you know loving myself and accepting myself. Yeah, well, let's let's even go back a little further and can you describe what theta healing is for the audience? Sure. 
uh, what Theta Healing is, is that it is a way that uh, it deals on the conscious and subconscious levels. And of course, you know, subconscious is 90%. So there's so many things, beliefs that we have that we're not even aware of. So it changes limiting beliefs. And then it is able to clear out, it's clearing the traumas. And then there is an element of a deep forgiveness work as well. It's a way of making, creating space in the brain. You're getting rid of the traumas and the, doing the forgiveness that creates space in the brain. You change those beliefs that are limiting and make sure that they're in, you know, in alignment with uh, what they need to be with God. And then you put in good things. If there's any, the good beliefs that need to, you know, shift it to the right way. And if there's a little tweaking that needs to be done, we put that in. And in that process creates a healthier space. So that's what, that's in an essence what Theta Healing does. And sometimes I'll just kind of say it kind of rewires the brain because in a sense, that's more or less what you're, you're doing and clearing it out and putting positive things in. Is there a way to kind of describe how you would help someone or start helping someone? First of all, I would say, well, if they know when something started, even even if you're looking at a physical ailment like, you know, anxiety or something, what, what was happening about the year around that time? And let's look at what was going on in their lives at that time. And then some common things like sometimes people feel like they're obligated to be hopeless or obligated to struggle in life. I would say there's probably about maybe close to 20 beliefs that I often will change right off the bat and then dig in what was happening. Yeah, from there, you're you're using your intuition like because if if for example for me if i had the belief i'm obligated to be a failure or something um that might come from a discussion about uh, i am having trouble loving myself right right? like and then underneath that might be that belief i think the thing that's my favorite about theta healing is the well there's a lot that's pretty cool but um the divine definition mm-hmm. stuff and learning to ask from God's perspective has been really helpful for us. Um, so there's a lot of words that we come up with our vision, our perception of what the definition is. Mm-hmm. But when we know what God thinks about that word and we download that from him, you know, it's I would say it's a process very prayer-like. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it just... I, I ask him all the time for definitions now because if there's any confusion in my head, it's just like, oh, I just need to get that, right. you know, that those words so then I understand better what he's seeing. It's been a huge help for us to, you know, grow grow through things, uh, to process things a little right. quicker. It's been a huge help for me. And I think Jamie too, but uh, yeah. I won't speak for her. Right, Jamie? I think it brings a clarity. Really, in getting those divine definitions, it brings a clarity. It brings an ability even to make decisions quicker. So I have a, well, I have an additional question. And this comes from a place of, you know, Kevin and I growing up together or, you know, being married in our first years of marriage together for 20 years, (laughs) growing together. Yeah, that's that's what happens when you get married when you're young, you you grow up together. Neither (laughs) one of us really knew how to consider or maybe it just wasn't acceptable in our family for whatever reason, we didn't do any therapy through this process. You know, I think we were always Mm -hmm. interested in alternative perspectives. And so we tried, you know, pills and we tried like, like healthy pills, right? Like considered alternative medicine or whatever. And we found that really it was a little bit helpful, but not at the same level as some of these healing techniques. And I'm curious from a 
therapy perspective with what you've been through and gone through, how you would describe to somebody what the difference is like, or maybe some awareness that you have that we just have no ability to even understand or comprehend. Oh, night and day. Total difference between uh, therapy, traditional route, counseling, psychotherapy, all that, and like data healing. And, you know, traditional therapy, you know, whether you want to label it cognitive therapy, psychotherapy, however, the different behavioral therapies they have, um, done them all, uh, is that, you know, you've got to understand that it even existed, relive the process, the memories, sort through, you've got to go through all this in your brain. And data healing, you don't have to. And that is part of the beauty, because you don't have to relive any of that. And so if, if when a belief is uncovered of, you know, maybe I, you know, had got some belief as a little kid that I'm not good enough. Well, well, what did we do? We, I know that's not one way change, by the way, I'm obligated. <laughs> I'm not good enough. Um, and so what, you know, we pull out that block and it tumbles all this other stuff and I've not had to relive. So fortunately, I don't remember very much i remember enough so i haven't had to relive it actually you know i had my first theta healing session and i saw my counselor and one more time and then i was like why am i sitting in this counseling office trying to relive and explain to him my memory that's just really it was causing me more pain when i was i i called him the following week i was like you know i don't think i'm coming back and I haven't gone back. That's the difference. After years of therapy, because years. not and knowing where else to go for help. Exactly. And tons of different therapists. Mm -hmm. He happened to be the very best therapist I've ever had. Mm -hmm. So seeing so many different therapists, tried so many alternative things through the years right. to help as well, you know, with the, to help with depression and headaches and all along is, uh, but Oh, night and day. Theta healing, because it takes away that element where it's just done. Hmm. It's so efficient and it's permanent. It is just, it, it, it's amazing and changes your life because you pull out one of those blocks and you may think maybe it's, it's a, some sort of obligation or something that it's maybe where it's so directly like I'm obligated not to trust God hmm. or it's a sin to trust God. Mm -hmm. I've had that. You pull that block out and you think, well, there's no way that's going to relate to a physical level. Well, wrong, it does. <laughs> right. You know, we just don't yeah. understand how it relates and really what does it matter? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I don't sit there and try to psychoanalyze my my beliefs that we're pulling out. I'm just like, okay, let's change it. Right. Non-judgmental. You know, when you're coming yeah. from that place of unconditional yeah. love and just like we all have these beliefs. It doesn't matter why. And I remember um, when my brother-in-law, there was a family day for the treatment center that he was in. And they said, you know, some of these things are not our fault. Like we inherited them, mm -hmm. you know, they were passed down to us, but they are our responsibility. And that was just mm -hmm. a huge piece that I took away. Like when you looked at everybody's family tree in the room, there was mental health, trauma, addiction, you know, and it just, it's passed down and then mm -hmm. not our fault, but it is our responsibility. Right. And again, another beauty of theta healing is that all can be changed because we get beliefs that are passed down to us, you know, ancestral, where, you know, our own history, our present, our, 
you know, and soul and everything. So it just changes on every level and just removes all. That. So one thing I noticed, uh, I've, I've experienced theta healing and also hypnotherapy. And both are incredible experiences. One thing that I like about both of them is I feel very connected to God in both experiences. I wanted to highlight both also help process a lot without a lot of emotion. And I think that's that's an amazing thing about both of them. Could you help us a little bit about how you feel or if you process some of that trauma, what does that look like? How does that feel? What's the experience feel like? Well, my go-to emotion typically all my life has been in anger. So when we would work through things, um, I, like, like you said, there is less attachment of emotional attachment to it. But sometimes we would end up, a belief would come and we just knew it was one of those bottom beliefs. And, you know, and that got pulled out. And I would at times get very emotional. Sometimes an overwhelming kind of emotional feeling would come up. So as we peeled the layers down and got deeper and deeper, it really took a while for me to be willing to open up completely to my practitioner and for me to fully trust on every level that it was safe. And that is because of the trauma, I'm sure. Yeah. Yes. But whenever I was willing to, to get that far and be so vulnerable, and willing to that I cry in front of her and, you know, and, and show my anger and show my true innermost self is um, as we were just peeling away those layers. I went through oftentimes if we'd had a huge session, um, I, you know, maybe a couple hours later would get really angry mm-hmm. and maybe we'd have to, you know, do a little texting or voice messaging back and forth and kind of work with whatever beliefs had come up. And that was just part of mine. And then, and this is where even the forgiveness work was so huge in my experience in dealing with the traumas. Yeah. That forgiveness. And that's really, I think, what allowed so much of the healing to come. Yes. <laughs> you know, I mean, and the comfort that came with it. Because, you know, I may have been, you know, really tired or something after a session. There was a, a level of calmness really came with that. I don't know if that completely answers kind of where. No, that helps me. Yeah. Yeah, so so you feel like some of those emotions and stuff that were coming out were repressed? Like Oh were, yeah. I've I've been more aware of that even more recently, just how much I wasn't acknowledging or didn't process. Like anxiety for me more recently I've come to understand that uh you know, I I just I would build things up, you know, like all these different things and kind of layer the anxiety on top of each other. And as we become more present and available to ourselves, then we can acknowledge those things. And one of one of the things just recently that I realized is that I'm a very feelings-based person, even from an intuitive standpoint. I feel things. I feel other people's pain. But I've, I've given feeling like a meaning sometimes, like I need to hold on to the feeling because if I let it go, then I won't have it. And so just recently I've been working through that I can I can feel something and if it's still relevant it'll come back. I don't need to hold on to it, you know. Yeah. And that's helped me work through anxiety. So yeah, I just feel like it's so important to to have methods to dig through the layers to yes, eliminate the beliefs. I call it casting them into the sea 
because that's, right. I think, what he does. That's what I visualize. And then they're gone. And I occasionally they come back, meaning I, I remember them. But most of the time, 99% of the time, I don't even remember what it was. Because <laughs> right. after they're gone, if you have a limiting belief or some type of belief that's blocking you, after they're gone, you never regret missing. You never miss them. <laughs> you right. know, like, right. okay, bye. I, yeah. And I don't, I don't care about that. So. You know, it's interesting you were saying about feelings that, you know, like you say, if you have a feeling leave, you know, it can come back. If that's where, like in my journey of, you know, my primary emotion, 99% of the time was the severe, was the anger. And I'm actually learning to how to feel other emotions in this process as we got rid of the, the anger and we're able to process through kind of some of that numbness where, you know, I'm actually feeling other emotions for yeah, wow. you know, some of the first time in my life. So that's been part that of my sense. journey. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, joy. Oh. Well, thank you very much for the story. I, I, uh, I feel like we've, we've heard this from multiple people. You know, addiction is, is something that is very significant. It's something that we don't have control over. And even a, an act, a coping or ad, addictive type mindset is is harmful. It it um, mm-hmm. traps us. It doesn't allow us to go forward. And so, what what's the reasons that those that we get there? You know, why why do we not believe that we can receive help or all the things that come with with addiction? So, um, it's been very helpful for us on the podcast and even in this session and other sessions to to understand that there is something behind that and that that can come forward and we can deal with it and we can heal it. And, and it's good to hear from someone that, you know, you've, you've gone through a lot and now you're someone that is starting to help others. Right. And right. whatever your road is to get help, if you can get to that point where you're able to help the next person, then you're, you're really making progress, you know? And, right. and when we start helping other people, then we grow too. Like it helps mm-hmm. us to multiply that effect even a little bit different than working on ourselves, but like we can take some of what they're learning along the way. I love the person who helped me with Katie, who helped me mm-hmm. with the theta healing. Um, sometimes she'll be talking away, giving you what, what she's working on for you. And then sudden she's like, Oh, there's something here for me. I think I'll take that too. I, I want, right. I'd like that as well. So it's a process that we have very much appreciated. I'm glad for your, your uh, insights and helping us to share that. Well, thank you for having me on. I'm glad to share my story. And have a good day. Thank you for tuning in. And to stay in touch, email us at info at businessaddictspodcast.com.